Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have our work husband, Parker Stevenson. He is our bookkeeper, our CFO, our friend, our frenemy, (laughs) and and everything in between. He is a hoot. And today, instead of teaching you sexy bookkeeping things, he's actually giving you an inside peek into some business strategies. Yeah, we're talking all about scaling a service-based business. Parker went down the same rabbit hole that many entrepreneurs do, where he thought creating a passive online course program was going to be the solution for their business growth and scalability. But you'll hear all about in this lesson how they decide it wasn't going to work for them and why they chose to scale the service side of their business. Spoilers. Hey, Parker, welcome to the show. Ladies, it is a pleasure to be here with you again. Uh, well, as you probably know by our random mentions of Parker throughout the entire podcast, not just this one, but all of them. <laughs> it's like the Where's Waldo of guess how many Parker references are in every episode. I yeah. am very flattered by that, by the way. So I, wow. I'm okay with that. Parker is one of our favorite people. He also happens to be our bookkeeper, but we've dubbed him CFO most of the time, even though he doesn't really... He's not. <laughs> he will take that it role. It makes me very uncomfortable to hear that role, but maybe advisor. Business advisor okay. is a good way to, okay. to, to put sure, it. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a little douchier, so it fits. Fits, yeah. Oh, my God. So we're not talking about that on today's show. In fact, we're talking about Parker's business and all the mistakes he's made. No, we're going to focus heavily on that. And his partner, Corey, and how they've gone from pursuing more courses, which I think was heavily influenced by their clientele to increasing their services. So I want to kind of start at the beginning a little bit. If people are like, who the hell is Parker with Evolve Finance? What do you do? And who do you serve so that we can like cue it up for them? First off, if you don't know who I am, how dare you? How dare everyone listening? No, I'm just kidding. How dare you? At, at this point, with how much you, you've obviously are talking about me on the other episodes. But no, it, you, most of you have probably never heard of me because my business partner, I, Corey, we run a business called Evolve Finance. And we've kind of been like the secret weapon in this industry. It's like as soon as you start making a bunch of money, people usually start reaching out because there's not a lot of bookkeepers out there that really focus on the online niche, I guess you can say. And and that's something that our clients really appreciate. So we haven't really done a lot of marketing. So that's why you know I was joking around about like not knowing who I am. There's actually a very good chance you've never heard of Evolve Finance unless you needed us because we haven't done any marketing. So pretty much we've grown Evolve Finance. Actually, Corey started Evolve Finance God, when he was pretty much like a teenager, but in like 2010, it became officially of all finance. Him and his wife founded the business. And from there, it's just been like referrals. It's just taking care of our clients and our business has just grown from word of mouth. And again, when people kind of need us, they seem to find us because they reach out to other clients that we've worked with or other people we work with. And that's kind of been the foundation for our business. We do, you know, we actually do bookkeeping for the clients, but we also we get on calls. 
and actually kind of guide our clients a little bit around their finances. There's a little bit of, I guess, coaching or again, you guys kind of say CFO, but it's just a little bit of general business guidance uh, just because so many of our clients, especially in the online world, they understand marketing, they understand sales, but you know, the numbers stuff, the operations stuff, the forecasting stuff, like all that starts to get a little scarier. And just because we look behind the scenes for so many online businesses, we're just a really good resource for the types of businesses we work with. So that's really what we do. We have a team of two people outside of Corey and myself and two full-time employees. We're about to hire a third employee. Actually, we're starting to do interviews this week. So we are uh, just slowly but surely growing our little bookkeeping business. No, <laughs> Isn't it adorable? <laughs> I'm curious, how did you guys start specializing in like online course creators that are like blowing it up? Like... I feel like that's a hard random niche. I know. It's really crazy. And it's actually part of the reason why I left my cushy corporate job to partner up with Corey. Because when Corey was like... Corey and Anna, who are my business partners, are also married. They were working for a... a pretty well-known online entrepreneur as well. Uh, her name's Alexis Neely. Uh, she was a lawyer that they worked for for a long time. And she kind of got out of her law practice and went into kind of the online entrepreneur space. She opened up a business called uh, New Law Business Model. And then she's also done some other kind of personal coaching with some other business. She's just like a serial entrepreneur. She's got like a gazillion businesses that she runs. And so... Just out of necessity, Corey kind of, Corey Nano, you know, starting out as assistants, helping in the law office, and then they kept firing their bookkeeper because the bookkeeper wasn't doing a very good job with the online business stuff because most bookkeepers didn't, especially. 10 years ago, eight years ago, definitely right. didn't know how the online space worked. So Corey just figured it out. Like he was just like, okay, let's figure out the right way to do this so that, you know, this business is tracking the finances properly. And from there, after, you know, doing a ton of work with Alexis's businesses to get that figured out, well, then Alexis started referring some business to him. Those clients started referring business to him. They're all, and you guys know how, like, kind of incestuous this industry is. Everybody knows everybody. Everyone's working with everybody or knows what's going on with everybody else's businesses. And we all kind of talk with each other a lot. We're just starting to get out that Corey Corey and Anna actually knew what the hell they were doing. And I think there was just such a need for financial professionals that actually understood like how online businesses work. And I still think there's that need that it just kind of grew organically, which is pretty amazing considering it was a business like they started when Corey was like still taking college classes and it was just a part-time business and it's grown into what it is today. And when Corey told me about that, that's kind of where I was like, this seems like a huge opportunity because book, literally nobody wants to do the bookkeeping. There's not like, I can't imagine you have a lot of listeners who are like, oh, I'm doing my bookkeeping courses and like, show me how to grow my bookkeeping business. It. Like, it's just kind of the thing no one wants to deal with. So we made it our business to deal mm-hmm. with it. And you know, it's obviously been uh, very fruitful for us to do so. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And was it a conversation very early on or just how it kind of like organically involved that you or evolved that you would work with business owners who were making a certain revenue? Yeah, it just kind of worked out that way because I just the level of service we wanted to provide and also just to do it right. Bookkeeping is not necessarily standardized. So you can take shortcuts and... I guess do some kind of cheats or hacks to make it easier. I mean, also, I think a lot of bookkeepers, again, in the online space, just literally don't know how to handle certain processes and certain ways of dealing with the numbers for online businesses that part of the way we priced ourselves was for the value we provide, but also just because the amount of time it takes to manage an online business versus a regular business is just different. And so we had to kind of price ourselves differently, which meant that businesses making, you know, they kind of had to, well, not kind of, they had to start making six figures to really be able to afford us because it's not just the bookkeeping, it's also the guidance we provide. And that guidance becomes really valuable the more money you start to make. And the smaller you're, and in all honesty, from a strictly bookkeeping standpoint, for anyone with, uh, you know, everyone listening with smaller businesses, just doing any financial tracking in the early stages of your business is a big win. So we kind of looked like the Evolve yes. Finance is kind of like you've been driving your 1999 Honda Accord forever. And now you're like ready to jump into maybe a brand new, more luxurious Tesla. car. Yeah, maybe Tesla. <laughs> Tesla or inside joke. Uh, that would be more, I think, what Evolve Finance <laughs> is because you just need more, right? You need a little more guidance and you want everything done right. Yeah. So then that is the clear segue into, okay, 
if our clientele has to be making a certain amount of money and we are charging a certain amount to provide the intense level of service that we are, it would only make sense then that you guys were like, let's create a passive income branch of this business. So when did that start being a conversation? That's something that really started to pick up, I'd say, early last year or or no, actually late 2016. It was just one of those things. I think every entrepreneur goes through this, whether your business is new or you're established, is you go, oh, like there's this opportunity I want to pursue. It's new revenue. So it's got to be good. We got to be able to make it happen. And so seeing our clients do so well selling digital courses and with us hitting capacity, like with Corey and I literally going like, we don't have more time for monthly calls. Because even though our bookkeeping team, like we could hire more bookkeepers, Corey and I just legitimately cannot get on more calls without losing our sanity. So we thought, well, hey, let's pass our knowledge on. Again, I think a lot of coaches and educators and stuff like this, this is where their minds go to is they go, hey, let's create some digital versions of what we do. And we'll teach maybe the smaller businesses that can't afford to work with us. We'll teach them like what they can do to get their money in order. And so it just seemed like a logical next step for us. But what we kind of realized was it's like running a second damn business. And when you already have a business that's keeping you busy 40 hours a week, and you throw this other piece onto it, as strategic as we were trying to be, and as um, fortunate as we were to have, you know, have the cash flow to be able to bring some people on to help us, it's just, it's a lot. It is a lot. And there's a reason we kind of realized, oh, there's a reason why our clients are spending, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week on their businesses, just selling courses and making sure they have a good sales machine going to keep their businesses healthy and profitable. So what was your aha moment to realize that, you know, even though passive was an option that maybe instead you needed to look at how you could up your capacity for clients and serve more clients in different ways? Like, Was there a certain point you got to that made you realize that that was where you needed to head? Yeah. We kind of like at the end... What was it? October of 2017, we partnered with a guy who is kind of a a funnel guru, I guess you could say. Really smart dude. He's been in the industry forever. He knows everybody. Uh, We were just lucky enough to even have him want to work with us at all. So we felt like, all right, we got an opportunity to work with someone who really knows what they're doing to help us set up a funnel, help us, you know, just put together our offer and reach the people that our offer would make sense for. And so after working with him for about three months, probably, you know, spending more money than I think we were not comfortable with. We were comfortable with it. We had a set amount. And I think this is important for everybody. We had a set amount we were willing to invest. And I know you two obviously just went through something very similar. We had a certain amount we were willing to spend in terms of like the team members, in terms of like the Facebook spend and everything just combined to get this going. And what we kind of realized was um, number one, the face, the cold traffic Facebook stuff just wasn't like we, it was doing okay, but the risk of investing a bunch more money into it, we didn't feel like we had the metrics or the numbers to go, oh yeah, like this is a no-brainer. Let's mm-hmm. start kicking this up by thousands of dollars a month. Well, did you feel like you were... Because you're building an entirely separate business for an entirely separate audience that you did not currently have. So like you, I think being in business for as long as you guys have doing the client base and doing Evolve Finance for what it is, I think this is what a lot of business owners do. They like start a brand new business, even without that already history and like put up a Facebook ad and build this course and expect people to like come through out of awareness. But if they don't know who you are, like, do you think that that had a big effect on the performance of those ads and people coming? Yeah, through? I mean, it, it was a huge effect. To be and here, I, maybe I should backtrack a little bit. To be fair, we when we originally launched our courses, we did affiliate webinars with some of our big clients because we felt at the time if we're going to sell courses, our biggest asset are clients because you know, just like you two, you know, we have clients who have audiences that would be appropriate for the courses that we sell. And we did it. um, We ran some some webinars with some of our clients and we sold products. So I think that got us to the point where we're like, okay, well, let's see if we can... like For me to constantly be trying to do affiliate webinars just felt like I, I don't have time to do this. So if we can set up a paid traffic funnel to get this going, then it's a little easier to scale that and it's a little easier to systemize that. So that way, you know, you can have your pre-recorded webinars. And again, just kind of have 
automation working for our benefit. And so when we got to the cold traffic point, we knew we didn't have a big audience, but we thought, hey, maybe even if we're making just a little bit of money every month, but we're building our list and our audience at the same time, great. But the the big factor that we realized, and we knew this going into it, was we don't have a sexy topic. Like what we're doing, you know, what we're trying to sell is for established businesses, businesses that are at least making some money. And we know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are just getting their their ideas off the ground, just getting their businesses off the ground. Um, but we still felt like there's got to be a big audience out there for like that 30, you know, someone making 15 to $80,000 a year with their businesses. And we thought, you know, maybe the tra- we could get traffic that target those people and really offer them something that makes sense for businesses their sizes. But it was just... Again, the metrics and the analytics, the numbers we got back just weren't saying like, this makes sense. The webinar, people in the webinars were super engaged. They loved the subject matter, but it's getting enough people's attention and getting them into it and then just get, you know, getting them to pull the trigger. I think it's just a hard sell for the type of information we're selling. And ultimately what the feedback we kept getting was, well, how much is it for you guys to do our bookkeeping? And so it's... It sounds insane, but after you know doing this for almost four years with Corey, we kind of went full circle and going through this experience made us realize, well, no, duh. Our biggest opportunity is to continue to grow the side of our business that is already proven, has already had success, and we're already known for, and we don't have to add on like again, another 20 to 40 hours a week to try to get what essentially like what you said, Emily, it's like you're trying to get this whole other business off the ground. As much as we felt like it was part of our bookkeeping business, in actuality, it just isn't. And you only have so much time in your day. That's what I quickly realized. That it just was whatever extra cash flow we would have been able to bring in from that, I just don't know if it would have been worth it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So what's your new plan? Because before you were like, there's literally no way we could take more calls. So how are you structuring adding on additional clients and growing that side of things? Absolutely. So a big thing for us early on when we started to think about scaling was the first, our first big concern outside of our time was like hiring team members. Did we want to manage a bigger team, you know, bookkeepers to manage this stuff. And Corey and I just kind of realized like just with technology, there's no reason we can't have remote, bookkeepers. Um, There's no reason the team all has to be in an office. I think at one point, we just thought like, oh, we need to be in an office like a bookkeeping company is and everyone needs to work together. Uh, Even though we all work virtually already and it's working fine, we just felt like, oh, like because our current employees, Ruby and Susan, we've known for a long time. Like we trust these women with our lives. Like they're amazing employees. And like, it's just, we felt like there's no way we're going to find more people like this. Like we've just known these people forever. They're family friends. Um, it's just worked out really well. We felt very lucky about that. So I think we had some initial concerns about hiring people that were now officially over. Like we're over it. We were like, we're going to find good people. And we're really excited about that. But for us, we did have to create a different service in order to scale what we're doing. So what the bookkeepers do doesn't change. And in a lot of ways, we're actually systemizing that better to make it easier for new people. When a new bookkeeper comes on, it's like, hey, here's our standard operating procedures. Here's our documentation to help you learn if you need to reference. Obviously, we still have to be part of their training process. Um, and, our, and Ruby and Susan need to be part of the training process. But overall, it's like structuring our business internally to allow it to grow is a very different beast than just having your team members who've been around. Everyone knows what they're doing. You don't really... you know, We have standard operating procedures, but it's different when you're trying to take your business to the next level. So we've really been getting a lot of those pieces in place to make it easier to bring new people on and to make it easier for Corey and I to then offer the new service, which is all the same bookkeeping stuff, but then it's going to be monthly videos. So they're going to get custom videos every month, which doesn't demand us having to schedule a time, you know, trying to match everyone's calendars up and schedule times with people. It's like, you're going to get your video on this day. We're going to go through the same stuff we would if we were doing a live call, but we're just going to do a video going over the PNL and just making it something that's going to take us 10 to 15 minutes to do. It's still going to provide a ton of value to the, to the end user and to the client or customers and still be a win-win. And I think for us, getting over the idea that like people come to Parker and Corey for the bookkeeping stuff and thinking that's the only value we provide, 
was ridiculous. Like, again, it's one of those like no duh situations that you just kind of have to figure out in your own time and in your own way. And we realized like, as much as I think our clients like the calls, the value still lies in getting the books, the bookkeeping done right, having a team that's proactive around like managing this side of our clients' businesses. Because as you two know, like the number stuff is scary. Like taxes can be scary. You want someone you can trust to actually, you know, be on top of this stuff. And so that's where we realize we can do videos. We can eventually hire people down the road to do the videos like years down the road. But we have, there's still plenty of room for Corey and I to provide the guidance that we want to do and we like to do, but just do it in a different way that would allow us to essentially double our business. So, so that's the whole idea there. Again, it just seems so silly to admit all this on the podcast because it's like, we've had this business, this established business for so long. And it just took us all this time and spending all this money to kind of realize where our real opportunity was. And we literally say this to our clients as well. Like this is advice we give our clients all the time, but like, yeah, sometimes you just don't always practice what you preach. It's hard to see. And I mean, it's, it's, I want people to start paying attention to the pivots that they can do to offer a different service to their current audience, even if it's a little bit of a different pool of that audience, because there might be some people who really want that hand holding <coughs> like us, <laughs> but it's still the same type of people. And it's still the same type of business owners who are meeting the same qualifications. You're just helping them in a different way. Yeah. Again, I think you just set up like, the reality of what you think your business is, right? You know, this is what a home finance is and this is what we do. But yeah. like in the grand scheme of things, we are a tiny business. We really, mm-hmm. we're not some giant brand. And I know we all sometimes think about the few people, you know, <laughs> our, our little audiences that are following us around. And even when I think about some of our bigger clients in the grand scheme of audiences, they're still a very, they're still very niche businesses. They might have, you know, a couple hundred thousand people on their email list, but you think about the grand scheme of the economic market. That still makes me laugh. Like when you talk about them, like you're like, Oh, they're small businesses. And I'm like, have you guys read like, who their client list is anyway it's fine you know, <laughs> it feels- well and that's not to take away from anything of what they do it's to generate any amount of revenue in your business whether you're making a thousand dollars a month or a hundred thousand dollars a month is like it blows my mind all the time but like for mm-hmm. me working like i came from a corporate background like i was managing a 50 million dollar product product category for a major conglomerate and my product category in the u.s was like a sliver, just a little, a little yeah. bitty product category. So it's like yeah. when I think about the amount of money overall revenue these businesses generate, it's not huge, but the amount of wealth it builds for the owners, that's where it's yeah. at. Yeah. And for, again, for us, I think seeing that, again, seeing behind the scenes of all these businesses, you can't help but feel like, oh, we're missing something. Like maybe right, why aren't right. we doing the same things? And I know we were just talking about this right before we started recording, but you have to do what makes sense for your business. Like as much as I think it's important to learn from other entrepreneurs, I think that's insanely valuable, but ultimately you have to be the judge of who are your customers? What do they want from you? What do you want from your business? What do you want your business to become? And not just copycat what other people are doing for the sake of just not like truly knowing what your audience wants and what you want your business to be, because it's easy to just go, well, someone else has a formula. I'll just follow that. Exactly. Um, That can work and we've seen it work, but for the most part, if you don't have a solid foundation of what your business is and what you want it to be, flounder a little bit. Like it's just hard to, it's hard to really know where you want to take the business. If you're not even sure what you want your business to be right now. Well, and we hear this all the time from our people who have service-based businesses who are like, well, I couldn't ever see giving up my clients because I like, you know, meeting in person and I like doing these type of things and I like offering this. Well, no one's asking you to. You don't have to, but you do need to pay attention to the parts that you can scale within your business, which is exactly what you guys like came full circle to of like, okay, how can we pacify like part of this and still offer services? Absolutely. And that, and that's 100% true. Again, I think we hear a lot of the same strategies, marketing and sales strategies, especially go around the online entrepreneur mm-hmm. industry. And we automatically feel like, what is it? FOMO, fear oh, of missing yeah, out. Yeah. You're like, you're just like, Oh, yeah. I, I should be doing that too. And I do yeah. think like Corey and I are pretty good about that overall, but 
ultimately, I think we just had to go through that process to come through the realization. Oh, yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Talk to me about the process, though. Like, what conversations did you and Corey have? How did you start brainstorming about... Because I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, yes, it's logical, but I can't imagine it was like, oh, we should do videos. Like, it wasn't like immediate. So, how did you come to figuring out how to scale and it, and it not doing exactly what you're doing, but a similar way? Yeah, I think for me, especially in the early stages of like when I came on and my client load wasn't as full as Corey's. There was just opportunity, like especially coming from a different background than Corey and a corporate background. There were just huge opportunities for us to kick up our marketing. You know, changing our website and redoing our logos and just kind of rebranding us a little bit. And then from there, it was like, well, I have a creative background doing courses, video content, podcasts, like all that would be very easy for me to do. So over the past couple of years, that's when I started recording the courses. Because again, it was just like, I like doing this stuff. I think no matter what, it's going to be beneficial for us to have these programs, um, regardless of how many we sell. And so it was just like, I'm going to do, I'm just going to do this because I think it's important for us to have assets as a company. And then again, it's one of those situations where you go through all the work to do all this. And we are making, still making revenue off of our courses in different ways, just not maybe in the grand way we thought it would be. Um, and it did, in, it did create an influx of cash flow for us that we wouldn't have been able to generate 
in the same way with our service side of our business. So it was, it was so it was like there were little opportunities that looking back at, I have to kind of remind myself like, yeah, we made money from this. We got a return on it, but it's just now not looking like such a big part of our long-term strategy. So, you know, it was just kind of those baby steps of, again, we're watching our clients, seeing what they're doing. Let's do some courses. I, Parker can do this, you know, because Corey, uh, Corey and I have very different skill sets, which I think is really important when you have a business that has partners. So like we're not stepping on each other's toes. So Corey is still kind of managing the operational stuff. He's managing the way the bookkeeping team is, you know, doing managing their workload. And then again, I'm doing more of the future thinking, growing the business. So again, I think it just made sense at the time. Well, if this is my focus, let's do the no brainer stuff that I think every business kind of wants to have. And we were, we had the luxury of having the cash flow to do it because we were established because we didn't need to like you know get our first clients or sell our first units of our program to just generate any kind of cash flow so in a lot of ways it was a, it was a, a blessing and a curse because it gave us a little bit of the freedom you know having an established business gave me the freedom to work on this type of stuff. But at the same time, it was also a burden because, and I hate saying the word burden because our clients are not burdens, but there was so much other work to do that it didn't, it didn't give me the amount of time that someone who's starting their business from scratch would have to then grow this whole new revenue stream. So I think, I don't know if I actually answered your question now that I just got. No, you didn't at all. I was wondering (laughs) specifically like with Corey, what sort of conversations did you have to come up with this new product offering? Like, are are there certain questions you asked, like exercises you went through to come up with it? Oh, okay. They were at a sleepover and they both did trust falls. (laughs) And Trust when, falls are a big part of our development, when, our executive I development. Of all I no, for us, it was just like, I think, again, getting back to some of our conversations around like, how many clients do we really want to take on? How many clients can we take on? If we know what that number is and we get to that number, then what are we going to do? Like, where do we take the business from there? And again, just kind of going back to like, we weren't sure we wanted to build out our team yet. We weren't sure um, we had another service offering. We felt confident would be a good solution. So I, I think that's just where it was like, all right, well, let's do the courses, dude. Like I can do this. No, I can put it together. That, like, what after that, when you like came full circle, how did you come up with this new service? Oh, that's when we went, okay, we just dropped about 15 to $20,000 on our funnel and our team that didn't give us <laughs> right a ROI we were expecting. Either we just kind of cruise at the level we're at and just accept that, all right, we're each going to have like 25 to 30 calls a month. And that's it. And oh. leave it at that. And we just kind of realized, eh, that's not what we want. And I think the big thing we realized, again, going through this process made us realize the opportunities we had. It made us realize um, what makes our business different than our clients' businesses. So what we kind of... Corey uh, actually brought up on one of our calls, like when we have a weekly call where we kind of discuss the state of the business. And he said, like, I want a business that like down the road, we can sell, like it's going to have value. And in some yeah. ways it would be like yeah. a retirement bonus kind of deal. And, and when I, and yeah. when it, that hit me, I was like, well, we have the type of business model, again, taking advantage of our business model, not trying to shape it into someone else's. There's no reason we couldn't scale this and have a business that could sell for seven figures down the road when we're like sell it to an accounting firm or another bookkeeping firm in 10, 20 years when we're, you know, getting to the age where we're thinking about retiring or wanting to do something different. Um, But we could do that without our clients really suffering. And then unless it's just like, you know, gals like you that just love our calls every, every month. Like legit, you can't retire until I retire. So that's fair. Well, yeah. probably, that probably will be the case, but we felt like that's something not all of our clients have businesses that could do that. They're going to make, they're going to, their cash flow is going to be different than ours, but we may be able to build up something that's going to have more value at the end because we have processes and procedures and a business model that could be absorbed by another business much more easily. So again, I think we just kind of, it's just getting into that point. And it's like, I keep saying this because I think it's so important for everyone to listen to. You have to pay attention to what's worked for you, pay attention to what it is you actually want out of your business and just always be aware of how those things are constantly maybe 
being tweaked or changing or evolving as you go along, because that's going to give you such a deeper understanding of your business. So when real opportunities do come up, you'll recognize them as real opportunities instead of just, again, the kind of shiny, glittery things we see around us all the time, chasing after thinking that's going to be our next big thing. Yes. And we did that for a minute, even as like, going from course creators to course creators, like nothing changed, but there were still like, maybe it's a membership or maybe it's this type of course, or maybe it's this bundle, or maybe it's this coaching aspect. And I think you, you have to like get tired of doing that chase (laughs) to just like settle on what you actually like offering and who you like talking to. But we've gone through the same shift of, and we're doing it now of, okay, we need to talk to maybe our same type of people, but in a different way. So we can offer them our services, our programs in a different way. Because if we keep doing it the way that we've done it, we're going to get burnout, we're going to get overworked, and we're going to want to quit. And so every business, no matter if you're offering services or courses goes through that cycle. But if you're not paying attention to it, or not asking yourself, okay, if I'm not happy with how it is right now, then like, what do I even want my life to be like? And what do I want business to be like? And then what can get me there? I I totally Totally agree. Because before you know it, your business can just take over. Like, and we uh, see it all the time. Ours did. And all of a Ours sudden, did. you're like, I'm not really running the business anymore. Uh huh. It's uh-huh. running you. Uh-huh. And that is a milestone to get where you have so much work and so much going on that that day to day grind just sort of happens because you're in demand. Like it's a very, very fortunate situation to be in that still a lot of people don't even get to. But once you're there, it's very easy to work more than you ever would at a full-time job. And then you go, what am I doing this for? And so that's where I think, and not to not to tout it too much, I think service-based businesses are extremely underrated. I think what happens though is there's not as much discussion around how do you develop a business model for a service-based business that is scalable and isn't crazy for the owner themselves. And that's why I think everyone goes towards wanting to sell digital products or wanting to sell courses and stuff, which again, we've seen a ton of people have a lot of success with that. And you guys are having a lot of success with that. There is value to that business model, but that doesn't mean it's right for everyone. And one of the big things I think you as an entrepreneur and as a person have to kind of realize is like, what kind of day-to-day do you want? How much stability do you want? And there's just more stability for a service-based business most of the time than a more launch-based business where you're selling, I don't care if it's a physical product or a digital product, selling units of whatever widget it is you make or you sell is just a different type of business to create and grow. And I think it's a more advanced type of business to create and grow than a business selling a service, which I think is the perfect place to start for anyone wanting to get into. That's what we say. Thank you for saying that. I yell at our people all the time. Start a freaking service-based business tomorrow. Don't go sell that planner tomorrow for the love of everything. Number one, it generates cash flow more quickly. And number two, it allows you to actually learn how the hell to run a business yes. if you've never ran a business before. While making mm-hmm. money. Exactly. And the thing is, a lot of our clients, so we um, we have our podcast as well, which I've slacked on for the past couple of months because of tax season. So please do not go to our podcast thinking it's going to be uh, um, up to date. But all the people we've interviewed and you guys are that exact same story. Almost all of them started out with some sort of service-based business that then evolved into something else. And if you're committed to growing your business, no matter what way you're going to grow it, it's going to evolve into something different than when you start. It's inevitable. But the evolution doesn't have to be out of a service-based business into a product. It doesn't have to. But it feels like in our industry, you're a dumbass if you're not. And it's just not the case. And the one thing I think people don't think about enough. And it's something we try to ask our clients on our monthly calls is how much money do you want to make? Because if you, if you have a, a certain amount of money, you, that you're just like, I'm willing to make this amount of money. I'm willing to make the sacrifice in my life to make X amount of dollars. Well, then you can, a service-based business may be a better way of hitting that target 
than consistently. Yeah, exactly. Like as much as um, I don't, I never want to jinx myself about this stuff because I don't think as soon as you have an established business that pays for your living, you get very nervous about the what ifs. What if shit hits the fan and everything goes wrong and we lose all our clients? But overall, like our business, I'd say is about as stable as any job I've ever had. Uh, Yes, yes, because of the nature of our business model. Well, and I remember thinking when we had our service-based business and we were doing branding and website design and all of that. I mean, Emily and I talked about like, do we want to be an agency? Because at the time, that was really the only way to scale. Like, ultimately, we wouldn't be the photographer and the branding person forever. We would sell the services and have people doing the design and the the creative for us. And I mean, ultimately, we decided it wasn't the life we wanted. But that doesn't mean there aren't people crushing it over there. I think the reason there's this weird ancestral thing that you talk about, I think the reason it feels that way is you are consistently hearing from course creators and people making passive income online on purpose. Like... Like they are the ones marketing. They're the ones utilizing Facebook ads. I don't know very many service-based people that utilize Facebook ads to grow their business. A lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it's local marketing. And and that's a huge point to make because there's lots of people... Again, the incestuous part of it is the B2B aspect of this industry. Everyone's selling services and products to other business owners. We are one of them. You know, of all finance is a B2B business. But there are a lot of other businesses out there that aren't in this space that you just don't hear or see about as much. Because if you're an entrepreneur, other B2B businesses are going to be advertising to you. So it may, so it just kind of it's like looking at the news and feeling like the world's going to hell in a handbasket because all you see is the negative stuff when in actuality the world is a hell of a lot better than it's ever been. Um I think that's the same with entrepreneurship. Just again, I think courses can be awesome. It really can be if that's right for your business model, but you hear so much about it, you forget that there's other options that you could be pursuing to better fit the lifestyle you want to have, the workload you want to have, and whatever opportunities and advantages you have with where your business is at right now. Yeah, I saw someone post in our group a while ago asking about like, how come I never see like people who are making money from having like a food blog or a style blog or this like it seems to be just like a side hobby. I'm like, because they're busy making recipes and writing cookbooks and like going on and doing these things. They're not teaching you how to do it because that's not their job. Like you're hearing from the people who are teaching you how to do it because that is their job for you to hear about it. There is value in that. Um, I think everybody... Every entrepreneur needs to be learning in some way, whether you're in a mastermind, whether you're taking courses, whether you're reading blogs, whatever it is that you need to do to just develop your skills as a business leader is extremely valuable. But again, if you're not B2B, you're absolutely right. The people that are doing well in your niche and in your industry, they're not talking about or advertising anything to you because like you said, they're crushing their own thing. They're not teaching. Like, I think there's this thing where it's like, if you have a skill, you should immediately teach that skill to other people. But it's like, you can, that's an option, or you can continue to use your skill to crush whatever it is that you're, you're doing. The other thing I wanted to, to mention here, just because I think it's important, is getting back to the how much money you want to make. Because the one thing I don't realize, new, uh, or I don't think new entrepreneurs realize or always think about, is the sacrifice that you have to make in order to make certain amounts of money. And that's something that some of our clients, I think, are starting to realize. I had a really intense conversation with one of my clients yesterday around like that desire to want to feel like you constantly need to be growing at like in massive jumps. Like I need to double my business and the next year I'm going to double my business again and then double my business again. I think it's important for a business to always be growing a little bit year over year. It could be 3%, it could be 10%, but I think a little bit is important. But if you're looking to grow your business quickly and substantially, there's a sacrifice that comes along with that. There's a sacrifice to your personal life, uh, your social life, uh, your family life that I think isn't discussed enough. And you can have success. It just may not be as fast as you want, depending on how much of your your time you're willing to put into your business. And that's the part I think you guys talk about with like 
burnout with your current business model. There are business models that will allow you to grow, I think, in a more sustainable way that can still allow you to maybe have some of the freedom you want because everyone, all these business coaches always talk about have all the freedom you want. But if you have a business that's really kicking ass, you might not have as much freedom (laughs) as you realize unless you're very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess very specific or focused around what type of business model you're really trying to create. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny how we've realized that twice of transition from services to courses and then from how we were selling to a different way of selling of, okay, this is awesome. The money is great. We're landing great clients. Okay, this is awesome. We're selling a bunch. This is great, but this isn't sustainable. And the way that if we keep doing this, it's going, it's going to end up bad. But so I think just recognizing that quickly, sometimes it takes a year, sometimes it takes six months, but know that you can choose those behaviors for a short time to get you great results, to give you capital, to invest in things that are going to help take you further. But know that that's what it's doing for you. You can't keep doing those behaviors if you're raking in a bunch of dough, but like never see your family. Yeah. And I think that's important if you're single and don't have a family, that's an advantage. That's something to think about. If you do have a family and that's important to you, then that's something you have to think about for yourself. And so again, when you see big name B2B coach yelling about like, I made a gazillion dollars on my last launch. Here's how you do it. They're also not talking about how much time how much money it takes to do that kind of stuff. And that's why I love what you guys do is because you're so freaking real about what it's taking to run your business and what it takes for your students and your audience to get the results they want to get. And I think that's not always... A lot of the times, a dream is being sold, which is part of it. Entrepreneuring your own business is... For the people that want it, it's, it's awesome. It's so awesome. And I know I love it myself. But again, I think you just have to be honest with yourselves as entrepreneurs about what it is that you want. And again, we just don't ask ourselves what it is we want that much. And that's what Corey and I kind of realized in the past year is like, what do we want? And what are we willing to do to get there? And we realized we're not willing to spend more money on a funnel. And we're not willing to work another 40 hours on top of our other 40 hours to make this essentially other business take off. And only you can kind of answer those types of questions. Well, I felt like that was talk strategy to me. I feel like you I feel like you just recapped. So I'll throw you back and give you a different one. Give us three to five action steps that people can take specifically around scaling a service-based business. Are are there certain things they should be doing? Are there certain things they should be asking themselves? Yes. So I don't know if I have three to five steps, but I will give you, I will give you my, my thoughts on that. Uh, number one, I think you need to solidify your offer. Like for us, our business, I think it's just very clear what we like. It seems, oh, you're just going to do bookkeeping, but we don't do everything bookkeeping. We're very specific about what we do. So I think making sure your, your offer is very clear and very focused. And again, you might have to uh, experiment with that in the early stages to see what works and what doesn't work. Like We started off doing everything for everybody because we were just trying to get clients. Now we're much more focused. Um, but I think knowing who you're trying to go after, make sure that your customer is very clear, you're focused around that, and your offer is very tailored to them. And then I'd say the second piece of it is making sure you have processes for how you deliver your service. If the service is just going to revolve around you just like doing whatever for everybody, all your customers and clients, and you're just like constantly running around doing whatever they want, that's not a business model. You're a freelancer at that point. And I think being a freelancer is very different than being a service-based business owner. So not only having those standard operating procedures are going to be make it easier for you to run your business, but it's also going to bring clarity around what it is you you will and will not do for your customers and for your clients. Because if you do everything for them all the time, you're going to lose your mind and then you're going to be like, why aren't I selling courses? That's the real... That's the, the grass is always greener. And then I think once you get that focused so that you as the business owner... Because I think if you're running a service-based business, you should be able to get your business to the low six figures, which is you and maybe like an assistant. Like it depends on what it is you're doing, but you should be able to build your business up to where you have really good cash flow. that all of a sudden it's like you have the flexibility to take some of the money maybe you would normally pay yourself and start to invest it back in your business, which is probably just going to be more people. 
And so from there, having those standard operating procedures aren't just going to be good for you to understand what it is you exactly want to do for your customers. But then going forward, you're going to have a way to teach other people what it is that you do for the clients. And so again, I think it's really important to just reiterate one more time, no matter what you do with these three things I just said, they're going to evolve over time. But if you can establish that from the start, though, you at least have a foundation to work work on. You know, like you, you've built this foundation and you're like, this is working right now. So then you're just kind of refining it as your business grows instead of like feeling like you have to burn the whole mother down and then like start all over, which if you have to sometimes, so be it, but it's a lot less of a stressful journey. Entrepreneurship is a lot more enjoyable if you can have, uh, again, a business you're refining instead of burning to the ground and building back up again over and over again. And then the last thing, I mean... It seems like a no-brainer. And I know we've had some conversations around your experience working with some contractors and stuff like that and how hit or miss that can really be. If you're running a service-based business, if you want it to grow and you want to have success at it, you just have to have your customers walk away going, holy crap, like this was the best investment I made or this is the best thing. Because I don't want to say investment because again, not everyone's going to be doing services for other businesses. So if you're going B to C, business to consumer, whoever your end user is, they just have to walk away feeling like they got their value. Like it's all about the value you're providing. And I think a lot of the times we get in this trap of like, oh, I know how to do this thing and I like this thing and I'm just going to do it for you. And you go, okay, I did the thing and I really liked it. And the customer's like, I'm glad you did your thing, but I didn't really like it. And the process wasn't really that great to go through. And I don't really feel like you did what I asked you to do. So now it's like, you're not going to have a repeat customer and they're not going to tell anybody about your service. And as much as we love to look at Facebook ads and we love to look at our email lists and all that, what's great about service-based businesses is it starts with one client and it can grow from there. And it can, again, we've, until the last 12 to 18 months, we did no marketing. Like maybe last year and a half, We'd never been on podcasts before. We didn't have an email list. We didn't, we didn't have anything. And we had a healthy six-figure business because we found our niche and we served it. Like we wanted everyone to go like, there's just, I don't know how I could operate without this person. Or I don't know what I would have done if I didn't hire of all finance. And I think we overlooked that thinking about the future of our business. And it's like, you got to take it one customer at a time. If you have consistently raving customers, you will grow and you will get to where you want to be, but you can never lose track of your end user. So those are kind of like the main things I know for us has just been absolutely crucial. I just wanted to interrupt this broadcast to let you know, we had some major tech difficulties near the end of this episode and lost the native audio for Emily and I. Unfortunately, that means you won't get to listen to Parker's beautiful voice through the end of this episode. But no, we love and support his business, are super proud of the amazing changes he has made, and look forward to seeing y'all scale your own service-based businesses. So make sure to check out Parker over at Evolve Finance and his podcast, The Bottom Line. We hope you enjoyed it, and we're so sorry that you missed the last couple minutes. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.